This is what Ahab says to Jehoshaphat. Hey, I got an idea. I'm going to disguise myself and go into battle. But you put on your robes so that the, so that the king of Israel disguised himself and went in, into battle. Do you realize how crazy that is? And Jehoshaphat goes along with it. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God All-powerful, untamable, awestruck Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Going into battle, Ahab did not want to be identified as a king and therefore be a special target, so he disguised himself. He thought this would help protect him against Micaiah's prophecy of doom. It's more difficult to explain why Jehoshaphat agreed to go into the battle as the only clearly identified king. Perhaps he was either not very smart or he had very great faith. Whatever anyone does, God's prophetic word will always come true. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in chapter 22 in the book of 1 Kings. And then he said, I know, and here's the prophecy. Micaiah says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. Remember that, because this is literally going to come to pass. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of uh, return to his house in peace. And what we're going to see, verses 17 through 23, is a prophecy that will come to pass later on in the chapter, beginning in around verse 29. And it's going to be a prophecy concerning the means and the end of Ahab's life and his reign. So verse 18, the king said, uh, the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. So he continues now. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord says, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. And notice, this was a, certainly a prophecy concerning Ahab's imminent death. His imminent death, and this prophecy of Micaiah was consistent with what we read, or what we read in um, uh, that Elijah had said in First Kings chapter twenty-one. Um, we, we read that earlier. Remember when, when Elijah came before Ahab and said, "I'll bring calamity upon you, and your house shall be like the, the house of Jeroboam, which his house was killed. All the males were killed by his enemy, and the same thing with Baasha." And that the, the dogs would eat Jezebel and, you know, all of these things. We, we read that prophecy in um, chapter 21, verse 21 through 24. And so we'll see that later on in verse 30, that regardless uh, of what Ahab does, and we're going to see him disguise himself, thinking that he would uh, somehow, you know, be able to thwart God's word, 
He's still going to lose his life, no matter what he does. And you can't thwart what God has said and what God knows. It's, it's futile. If God says that your days are numbered, and he tells you that your days are numbered, your days are numbered, and you could hide in your bedroom from, for every day until then, and guess what? A tree will break and come through your house and kill you. Or you can go out and think that you're going to be safe by staying off the roads and a a meteor or a bolt of lightning could take your life. There is no way you can escape the almighty power of God. And I love this because if you're his child, you're protected. And if you're his enemy, you'd better be careful because you're on slippery ice. Not because he hates you. No, God doesn't hate. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. It's not his will that any should perish, but what? That all should come to repentance. And so, verse 21, then a spirit came forward. And here, Micaiah is giving this, uh, this prophecy of what he sees in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm. And, it, and these angels, uh, good and evil, are coming before the throne of God. And then a spirit came forward, verse 21, and said, and stood before the Lord and says, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? He says, so he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And notice what the Lord said. You shall persuade him and you also shall prevail. Go and do so. Now notice here also that even though God knew that this evil spirit would ask this petition, God probes the conditions of the request And only upon that condition does he allow it to happen. See, the thing we have to understand is that anything that Satan or his minions do must be run across the desk of Almighty God. The devil is not some kind of free-ranging spirit where he can just do whatever he wants. No, he is on a leash. Understand that because all the evil that we see in the world today is not the devil just doing what he wants. He's only being allowed to do certain things and under certain conditions because had he, if he didn't have any restraint on him whatsoever, he would go and kill everybody. But God has a wonderful plan and even in the mystery of iniquity, he works his wonderful works in our life. I look back on my own life and see how the Lord has allowed me to be afflicted at certain times in my life and what did that do to me? It got me, hopefully, to get on my face and say, Lord, I, I'm feeling horrible. Everything is falling apart. And what is the purpose of hardship? Isn't it to bring me closer to God? Isn't it for, isn't it for me to finally break and get on my knees and cry out to him? Isn't that what God wants? Or do, you, or do you think wrongly that he just delights to beat on people because he's holy and you're not? So he just, you know, and there are some churches that teach that. But you're his beloved. You're his beloved. He has no desire to punish you and beat you. Trust me, what he did to his son on the cross was enough, it was more than adequate. For our sin and to atone for all of our wrongs that we've ever done. Every sin that we've ever done. Jesus took that punishment and God says he was satisfied. Isaiah tells us that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. To literally crush him. It pleased God the Father to crush his son. Because he knew that in three days he would rise again. And he knew that there would be a number of people who would come to him as a result of their faith in him. In that wonderful redemption. 
And why would God allow this evil spirit to do this? Perhaps because of Ahab's unwillingness to listen to the Lord, but rather listen to the lies from the pit of hell that he's hearing from these false prophets. I labeled this uh, a message. It's it's that you can run, but you cannot hide. Because we're going to see that Ahab is going to try to run. He's going to try and circumvent what God had told Elijah and Micaiah He's going to try to run from that prophecy and try to preserve himself, but he's not going to be successful. In Job chapter 1, this may seem a little uh, odd to you, but we have to read one, chap- one passage here. It's in Job chapter 1. Just write it down for time's sake. It's Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Let me just read it to you, because what I just share with you may seem a little strange. But here we see it corroborated here even in 1 Kings. But notice in Job what it says. And this also, by the way, happens in the second chapter of Job 2. In the very first few verses, the very same thing happens again, but under different circumstances. But let me read Job 1, 6 to you. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, the Benai Elohim, came to present themselves before Jehovah, and Satan also came among them. Are you kidding me? Does that mean that Satan has access to heaven? Oh yeah, he does. And he still does. Doesn't that frighten you? (laughs) Most people think that he's in hell burning somewhere. No, he's very active and he's the accuser of the brethren. He goes before us and accuses us before God. And Jesus says, well, what did my servant do? Well, did you hear what he said? Did you see what he did? And God can say, uh, Jesus can say, well, he he did do that. You're right. But you know what? He cracked like an egg. He got on his knees and he confessed the sin under the blood of my blood. And I've forgiven him. So go away, because that sin I will remember no more, because he's confessed it under the blood of Christ, under under my blood, Jesus says. So go your way, Satan, because I don't see him the way you see him. I see him spotless, but he's the accuser of the brethren. So notice what it says. So Satan came among them also, and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and says, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And Satan answered the Lord and says, well, does Job Job fear you, you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side. You've blessed the work of his hands and and his possessions. You've increased him in the land. But now, stretch your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And God is like, game on. Because I know something, Satan, that you don't know. I know the end of Job and I know what this man is going to go... I know what you're going to put him through and I'm telling you that he's going to come forth as shining gold. And Satan doesn't know that because Satan, guess what, is not omniscient like God is. There is only, God is the only one who is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all places at once. He can, he knows our very thoughts in this room right now to every millisecond, every nanosecond. He knows what we're thinking if he so chooses. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power only. Now here's the proviso. You can do, you can go to a certain limit with him. And this is the truth, what we just saw in this chapter. You can go this far, Satan, but you cannot go that distance. You cannot go past this line 
And Satan, because he's a created being, he cannot go past that line. So let me ask you a question. Who is more powerful, God or the devil? Are they equals? Is Jesus and the devil, are they just brothers and just kind of like the yin and the yang? No. God is all-powerful. When he says you cannot go across that line, God could go on vacation, and guess what? Satan cannot go across that line. Period. Exclamation point. Not going to happen. He's unable. He can't. Because God puts him on a leash, and he is only able to do what God allows him. Isn't that exciting and yet fearful? That means that everything that has happened in my life, that I know that the devil has come after me, and he's done things to me and my family, he's allowed them to refine me, he's allowed them for a purpose that I don't even know yet, but I can trust him, and he's only allowed it to go so far, and he says, okay, that's enough. Satan, you can't go beyond this line. I've allowed you to touch this much, but you're not going to touch anymore. And Satan says, that's fine with me. I just want to see him squirm. I want to see him curse you to your face. Because Satan doesn't know what God knows. And there are, and here's the, here's the ugly part, that God can say that to an unbeliever, and that unbeliever will curse God to his face, and then that unbeliever will die and go to hell. That happens so often. And the devil doesn't know that with you and I. He doesn't know what God has up his sleeve. God has all kinds of aces up his sleeve. He's loaded with them. And right when the devil throws down a full house, <laughs> Jesus pulls out five, five aces. Even though they're not five aces in a deck, he pulls out five aces and says, Checkmate. Time to pay up. So Satan has access to heaven, but... We know that during the midpoint of the tribulation, which is yet future to us, that seven-year period coming upon the earth. And folks, do you understand that if the Lord was to rapture the church tonight, tonight, if the church was raptured up off this earth, there'd be a period of time. We don't know the exact amount of time. It could be 30 days. It could be a year. We don't know exactly, but there's going to be a time during that time that the some leader out of Europe is going to rise and he is going to make a treaty with Israel allowing them to build a temple on the Temple Mount. And that is when the Bible says that the 70th week of Daniel begins. The clock starts to tick. halfway, th- And then God's going to pour out his wrath on a world that, is, that has rejected Christ. He is going to pour out. And you read about it in Revelation 6 through 19. All the things that are coming upon the earth But it says something really interesting in Revelation 12, somewhere in the midpoint of the tribulation period, which is yet future to us, after the church is raptured. It says that in in Revelation 12, verse 7, that war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. These are and and but they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. And so the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world and notice he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him and then i heard a voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our god day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the power of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death therefore rejoice O heavens 
and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. So there it is. Soon there's coming a time where God is not going to allow Satan no longer any admittance in heaven. Right now he can come and go, it seems, as he pleased, but there's coming a point where God says, all right, now you're booted out for good, buddy, and you, there's no way you're coming back. You and all those fallen angels, you're going to go to the earth, and believe me, you don't want to be on the earth when they are confined to the earth. And that's why part of the wrath is going to be this demonic activity that's going to happen during that time. And what does Peter tell us? Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And it's hard for us to understand the mind of Satan, but you know it's better to not worry about it at all. Rather seek the mind of God, amen? So therefore, Micaiah says, therefore look, after he gives this uh, heavenly vision of this spirit coming and deceiving these 400 prophets, finally he says, uh, Micaiah says to Ahab in front of these 400 prophets, he says, therefore look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these people of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. Notice, these people of yours, yes, they belong to you because you pay them, Ahab. They have no dealings with God. They're not prophets of God. They're on your payroll. They are prophets of yours. They should have been prophets of God, but now they are prophets of Ahab's. And to be a servant of Christ, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You can't have... Be a prophet of, of God and, you know, Monday through Wednesday or, you know, maybe Friday. But as soon as, as soon as it comes Saturday, you're going to be a false prophet. You're going to go out and drink because next morning you'll go in and say your Hail Marys and, you know, and confession booth and go through all this stuff. And God's like, why do you even bother? Because your heart is still in your sins. You're not born again. You may have all of this religious trappings. You may have all of this... Be, you may be a really religious person, but you live like hell for you know most of the week, and then you come in on Saturday or Sunday, and then expect me to act like I can forgive you of your sins, but I know what you're going to do. Where is your heart? It's nowhere near me. And people do that. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenaana, uh, uh, went near and he struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, where did the spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? So obviously Zedekiah's pride was hurt and he was kind of like their spokesman of the 400 defending them. Now this Zedekiah that we're talking about is not the prophet Zedekiah, the book that's written after his name. The Zedekiah, the true prophet of God, who wrote the book Zedekiah, didn't come for a few hundred years later. Okay, So this guy is a different Zedekiah. So Micaiah said, verse 25, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. And, um, and so the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, 
Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction. That means uh, until I come in peace. And and that's what Ahab says. Take this man, this man who is telling me what I don't want to hear. Take him and throw him into jail and give him not the normal portion of water, not the normal portion of bread, but give him a scant portion of water and a scant portion of bread. That's what it means by bread of affliction. So Micaiah said, well, if you return in peace, then the Lord has not spoken by me. And he says, take heed all you people and so Micaiah is laying his life on the line he's saying if he comes back in peace then I've spoken falsely and you know what a false prophet happens what happens to a false prophet he gets killed that's what the law says if a man says he's going to speak for God and that thing doesn't come to pass that prophet is to be put to death so you better know that you heard from God (laughs) right and so um, and you can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. But let's go on to verse 29 because we're running out of time here. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went to Ramoth-Gilead. So they, they leave the capital and they cross, over, um, they cross over the Jordan River going over east into what you and I would call modern-day Jordan in, uh, in that area. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, now listen to this. This is what Ahab says to Jehoshaphat. Hey, I got an idea. I'm going to disguise myself and go into battle. But you put on your robes so that the the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Do you realize how crazy that is? And Jehoshaphat goes along with it. It makes you wonder if he's like, well, you know what? I believe what Micaiah said, and you can can put a wig on your head. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to die today. Maybe that was his heart, because he's thinking to himself, think about it, if he's the only king dressed as a king, who are the enemy going to come after? They're going to come after the king. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now there's only one king on the field instead of two. And so Ahab says, I'm going to put on a disguise, like Bozo the Clown. And I'm going to go, and you put on your robes. And, and Joshua's going, oh, okay. So they do. They do. And the king of Israel, uh, uh, sorry, let me go back uh, to verse 31. So now the king of Syria had commanded his 32 captains of his chariot, saying, fight with no one, small or great, but only with the king of Israel. And guess what? There's only one king on the field that they're going to see who's dressed in his garb, his royal garb, and that's the king that God loves, even though he wasn't a... The, you know, he made a mistake here, allying himself with Ahab. But there's one king on the field now. So he's putting himself in great jeopardy. And I almost wonder if God was just smiling, going, you know what? I know they're going to all come after you, but I got a plan. Don't you worry, Jehoshaphat. So it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And therefore they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And it happened that when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, it wasn't Ahab, that they turned back from pursuing him. So Jehoshaphat's thinking, Thank God. You know, maybe they recognize my dialect maybe they saw my face you know they probably wanted posters up everywhere you know this man you know ahab go after him and they get close to the king of of judah and they're like ah that's not him gotta go look for someone else because that was their orders now a certain man drew a bow at random 
So this is, this is literally what it's like. Some guy out in the field takes a bow and an arrow, and he just pulls it back like that, and he just lets it fly. He's not aiming for anything. He's probably just closing his eyes, maybe turning around in a circle and letting it fly, thinking it's going to land somewhere. And it struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. And so he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And this is a miraculous shot. It is a miraculous death. Death, even though Ahab sought to thwart what God had said through Micaiah. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.